This morning, Scripture comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bibles uh, with you, I invite you to turn with me there as we uh, together uh, hear from Matthew uh, chapter 14, beginning in verse 22, and we're going to follow on through verse 33. Uh, Again, Matthew 14, beginning in 22, on through verse uh, 33. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. Immediately... He, that is Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Jesus, truly you are the Son of God. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? God, we come into this space and this time prepared to hear from you. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word, your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel the power of your word. Then finally, we ask, O God, that by your grace, you would open our hands that we would offer grace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. been a little bit of a tough week in the community uh, particularly on Friday Friday was a tough day I don't know how many of you uh, uh, heard on the news or through social media or just through the grapevine but uh, a stone's throw from here in the first neighborhood over uh, there was uh, an apparent murder-suicide and uh, a sixth grade girl who goes to school just across the street uh, finished her cheer tryouts and was told that she was going to an empty home to gather a few things to figure out what's next. And... um, breaks my heart 
the the experience of pain and of loss that stems from uh, an act of horror that most certainly is rooted in rage and pain and insecurity and a whole host of other evil. I think about what it what what it means that I mean it's 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 right there. I mean it's literally right there. This isn't like a news story that's that's in another part of the city or another part of the state or another part of the world, but it's like right there, you know. I'll be honest, as, as uh, one of just a few pastors in the community, uh, after I heard, I quickly moved from an experience of pain to an experience of guilt. And a clear feeling uh, of failure. Um, that... that, that that I as a community pastor and we as a community church would have a neighbor right there that was being abused. A neighbor right there that was abusing. So when the pastors originally talked about how we could be pastors in this season of project management and of moving in, and, and we talked about what it meant to fast, uh, we began with a vision of, of fasting uh, in a season of preparation, fasting in a season that would, uh, that would uh, prepare the way for a, a tremendous outpouring of spiritual blessing. Uh, but over the last 48 hours, it's been clear to me that I wanted to fast for the community and just ask God what do you want to reveal to me about my neighbors about my parish about my parishioners and how can I how can we love the community well and offer grace that would transform lives. Because that's the only thing that would have made a difference there, right? Hope, grace, love, rooted in Jesus to transform lives to transform a community. So whenever I read this, this text, uh, I you know, read it a hundred times, studied it, preached it, but, but I was uh, brought into a, a question that revealed something for us in the midst of community pain. Uh, that is important to see about Jesus in this. And that is that, that uh, Jesus sends his disciples out on the water in the boat. Like, 
he, he, he says, go out on the boat. He doesn't tell them if he's going to catch up with them, when he's going to catch up with them, how he's going to catch up with them, why he needs to catch up with them. All, all, all it says is, is go out on the boat and head to the other side. And so I, I pondered and, and had to go back and remember why is it that Jesus did that? Why did Jesus send them to the other side? And it, and it comes uh, through the story that leads us to this walking on water story. You see, uh, just a few verses earlier, Jesus gets news that his cousin has been murdered. John the Baptist, his cousin, John the Baptist, the one uh, that leapt that leapt in his mother's womb at the very uh, very presence of Jesus in Mary's womb, right? John the Baptist, the one who's out in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord. John the Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus, who Jesus said, no, you can't baptize. Uh, John said to Jesus, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. But John uh, then heard from Jesus, no, I, I, it has to be this way. I need you to baptize me. And John baptized Jesus. And then this news comes to Jesus that his that his cousin had been murdered, beheaded. And it says that Jesus immediately, now immediately is a word that we typically hear in Mark. If you, if you, if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that, that, that the pace of Mark and the, the word immediately is a very Mark kind of a word. So when it pops up in Matthew, you should kind of pay attention because things are shifting here. It's a different uh, pace. Matthew's typically slow and methodical. And, and, and here in, the, in, in this like chapter and a half, Jesus moves immediately often. And, and, and it says immediately he needs to go uh, he, he gets in a boat and needs to go to a deserted place because he doesn't need crowds right now. He's experienced loss and pain and horror and he needs to be alone and he needs to find some rest and so he needs this rest and they go to find this rest and when he gets to the other side, what happens? 5,000 gather plus women and children and they're all gathering around Jesus. And Jesus is like, I need deserted place. I need rest. I need solitude. I need to mourn. I need to be frustrated. And, and I need to experience this loss and this pain. We know what that's like when we've experienced pain, where we just need to detach and have that space. And Jesus needs that as well. And, and he doesn't get it. And the crowds gather, and he teaches, and he blesses, and... The disciples want them to leave and he says, no, we should feed them. And he feeds 5,000. And it's after the feeding of the 5,000 that he dismisses them to go to their homes. And then he sends the disciples away and it says he climbs up on a mountain by himself. I imagine he like found the part of the mountain where no one would follow, right? Like, like he, he, he might have he scaled a couple of rock walls just to find a little bit of space because he needed some quiet. He needed some space away from the crowds, even away from his disciples so that he could find rest. I want you to hear that today. For those of you that have experienced loss, for those of you that have experienced trauma 
or pain or horror. Jesus experienced that as well. And he models for us what it is to remove ourselves from those circumstances and to be with God. And then as the story goes, we hear about the disciples in the boat and they're in the boat and the waves are coming and the wind is against them and they're going nowhere. Based upon the, 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 the actual uh, Greek description of the time, this is now between 3 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock a.m. in the boat. They've been in the boat since before sundown all the way now to somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. And this is not a big lake. I mean, this, this, is, this is smaller than Lake Conroe, okay? And these are uh, mostly men who have been fishing on this lake for a long time, okay? And so these people know how to, to, to move about and across and, and, and in the lake. And, and so they're in the boat, but the, so, so you, you would know that if it's been this long on the boat that something really wrong has taken place, right? This isn't just, this isn't just normal how long it takes to go, this is the waves have battered, the word of God says, battered the boat. And the wind is against them. And the waves are rising and it says that they're scared. That they have, they have concern about what their safety looks like in this context. And so they're clinging to the boat. I find that interesting because... Uh, a boat on water in a storm seems like the safest solution, but, but it, it actually is just a false sense of security because if the waves are so strong, the boat is not secure, right? If, if, if the waves tip the boat over, is the boat secure? I mean, what, what, what good does the boat do you if it, if, especially in these days, these aren't like, like cruise ships. They're not, they're, not, they're not, you know, on the carnival, brothers and sisters. This isn't even the Titanic, and we know how that ended, okay? This, this is uh, a, a wooden vessel uh, that, uh, that is used to, to be uh, designed to be for fishing, okay? And so as the waves have battered the boat, the wood is taking a beating, and the structure is in jeopardy. And still, even as they're, they're there in the boat, the boat is the thing that they hold on to first. The boat is the thing that they hold on to first when the waves rise around them. So the first question I have for you is, is, is to maybe take a moment and identify what those waves are that rise up for you, those things that threaten, those things that challenge uh, some of them we named in the context of what Jesus experienced with John the Baptist and what's ex been experienced in our community, but sometimes they're much, much simpler than that. Sometimes it's the craziness of life, the busyness of your schedule, the challenge that you face in your day-to-day -day, uh, job, holding your job, getting a new job, uh, maintaining your marriage, parenting your kids, the challenges we face in, in our day-to-day -day lives. What are the challenges we face? And then the question that, that I think the boat requires of us is what are those things that we cling to as a sense of security that in, in fact 
are almost always a false sense of security. A false sense of security. I, I think this, that, that, that for me, uh, whenever the waves rise and I'm trying to hold on to something, uh, if, if I'm deeply honest, one of the things that I do is I retreat. And I retreat into my own uh, kind of either distraction or space that I can just be alone and not face the waves. It's not that the waves cease to exist. It's not that the challenges cease to exist. It's that I, ex- it's that I act as though I'm existing separate from the challenges. Y'all get that? So, so I, ha- I have a spot in my upstairs TV room, right? Uh, and whenever the day's especially long and life's especially hard and the challenges are many and the waves are big uh, and, and everything seems scary, uh, I detach, isolate, uh, procrastinate, separate myself from those things and find some space of comfort that can be uh, totally separate, which is not reality. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like all this stuff is still right there. I'm just acting like it's not. And sometimes that detachment can feel as though it's healthy because it's like, well, I, I, I can rest and then return. But sometimes what, what the, the threat is is that I'll hold on to that detachment too long. Right, right, I'll, I'll, I'll stay there whenever I need to get back in the fight. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll linger there even though there are challenges that need to be faced. That's one of, one of, one of my great temptations to hold on to this false sense of reality that would be running. For others, that, that, that thing that, that's being, uh, uh, being held on to uh, that thing that we're holding on to instead of Jesus might be some form of addiction. That addiction actually becomes the thing that, that, that substitutes uh, for uh, what it means to walk in the midst of challenges. And so uh, it's another form of detachment, maybe not too dissimilar from my own. For some of us, we retreat to hold on to creature comforts, status, uh, uh, the uh, the, secu- the, the idea that we're secure in our employment or our own uh, relationships, no matter what the wave is that tells us different. And so then Jesus walks out into the water and, and Jesus is there amongst the wave, amongst every challenge. So think of every challenge that, you, that you've been considering uh, since I began preaching or maybe even that you brought in these doors with you today. Uh, think about how Jesus is walking in the midst of every single challenge that has been faced including his own. And they can't believe that he would be there. And so, and so they think he's a ghost. And he says, no, it's me, it's Jesus. And they say, uh, Peter says, uh, if it's really you, ask me to come. What a bold question, right? If it's really you, invite me to do the impossible. I think Peter gets all kinds of mess from this text. Oftentimes we like to hate on Peter. We're, we're like, man, Peter, Peter couldn't keep his eyes on Jesus. So if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to be better than Peter. Let's start with the very beginning. Peter knew it was possible. He said, if it's you, Jesus, then I want to be with you. Call me out, and I'm coming. Right? 
Before Jesus ever invited him, he asked to be invited. That's a, that's, that's a good starting point. Ask to be invited where Jesus is, where things are really messy, where things are really broken, where the challenges are daunting, where you're, you're bound to get beat up, where, where things seem impossible. Ask Jesus to go there. Let's, 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 let's start there. Let's start with Peter. And so he asks and Jesus says, come on, come, come to me. And Peter does it. Peter steps out of the boat and he walks out and he's walking out there with Jesus. Where is Jesus walking in our community? Where is Jesus walking in your life? Where is Jesus walking in these schools, in these hallways? I think after the week we've had in the community, there's going to be a whole lot of Jesus walking all, the, all around us because there's a lot of challenges that need to be faced. And so, Jesus is out there walking. We start off by saying, take me where you go. And he says, come, we'll step on out. The water's fine with Jesus. You, you, you see, we don't have to cling on to the boat. We don't have to cling on to those false sense of security. Instead, we want to reach out and cling, and cling on Jesus. And so we walk where Jesus walks, and we find ourselves in the midst of all sorts of challenges, but inevitably, we'll do what we do as humans. It's nothing about Peter. It's about being you. It's about being me. It's about being human. Peter walks with Jesus, and then in that space, he sees the wind. He knows what that means. He feels the wind against his face and knows the waves are rising, and he sinks. And sometimes, if I, if I, if I have a, a, a messed up view of Jesus, which at, at times I think all of us bend in and out of, uh, I, I think that Jesus is teaching Peter a lesson here. Right? I think, oh, well, well, well Jesus let him sink. And, uh, and, and, and so Peter's down there learning his lesson. Hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. I told you to keep your eyes on me. I told you to come on out here. If you would have just trusted me, no sinking. And so Peter starts sinking. But that's not, that's, not what, that's not the Jesus of God's word. That's not the Jesus of this text. The Jesus of this text, as soon as Peter sinks, back to that Matthew version, immediately, immediately, he doesn't let him sink long. He doesn't let him lose his breath. Have you, you, you remember when you were teaching your kids how to swim and, 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 and they go underwater for the first time and their arms do this? Even, even if like you're holding on to them, th there's like all that panic, right? He didn't even let all that happen. It's like, it's like as soon as Peter starts sinking, immediately snatches him up, pulls him out, and he's right there with them again. He's right there with them again. And then they are there together in the midst of the waves. And, and, and as a loving parent, as a loving savior even, he, he turns to Peter and, and says, why do you doubt? It's not why did you doubt. It's why do you doubt? I'm here with you in the midst of the waves. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to ask that question this week. That, that, that question 
that I'm going to be asking during my fast as I fast for the community. Jesus, where are you? Can I come and be with you there? What situations are you in where someone is hurting, where someone's in pain, where someone's experiencing loss, where someone is mourning? Where are you when someone feels threatened, feels exhausted, feels like they're at their wit's end? Where are you, Jesus, in the midst of the challenges and pain of this world? Can I come and be with you? And as you ask those questions, know that Jesus is saying to you, come. Come. I invite you alongside of me in the pain and challenges of this world to be my hands and feet to the glory of God the Father. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you asking that, uh, that the words of, uh, of our song, that there's nothing that we hold on to would be true, that, that what we sang would be, would be honest and hold integrity, and that we would hold on to nothing in this world other than you. And that as we hold on to you, you would take us where you will that you would take us out into the community, out into the world, so that we could be a blessing, so that we could offer grace, hope, and love, so that we could offer Jesus, we could offer your Son. So we pray, O oh God, that as we, uh, as we fast and as we, uh, as we consider where you are working and how you're inviting us there, Lord, we ask for the boldness that it takes to go out to go out and minister to the world in love. Lord, as we continue in this, uh, in this time of worship and enter into this time of offering, Lord, we, we thank you for the many gifts that you've bestowed upon us, the ways in which you've uh, poured out your, uh, your, your goodness and your grace and indeed, uh, indeed your, your, your bountiful resources in our midst. Lord, we ask, God, that you would create space within us to offer a portion of what you've given to us back to the kingdom building work of your church we ask oh god that you would bless this time bless both the gift and the giver alike that all that is done in this time would bring you glory honor and praise we pray in jesus name amen